0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. It's always strange coming up here to give the word. After a morning full of prayer, worship, so many voices being lifted to God and suddenly the only voice... Speaking the word of God to the whole room. So I need some prayer. So I'm going to pray that it's God's voice that you hear and not just mine. So let us bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for your word, your precious, precious word. Father, we know your word has the power by the Holy Spirit to, to break chains, to change lives to turn people's lives from disaster into prosperity, from sadness to happiness, God. So we ask, Lord, right now for your Holy Spirit, for that special anointing again this morning, Lord, that it again will talk to our hearts where we're going with our lives and what you want us to do. For the glory of your kingdom, Jesus. For the glory of your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's it's been an amazing morning already, and I don't know how God does it sometimes, but how He works in bringing that that, that worship into to what I'm going to be speaking about. But it's just been about obsessed with Jesus for me. It's about being obsessed with Jesus, and the title of my talk today is obsession. Obsession. It's about being obsessed for Jesus. And and just just for a moment, I just want to start by just asking you all, just to close your eyes, just for a few minutes—not no, not a few minutes, just a couple of minutes maybe—and I just want to talk to you through heaven. Just just try and picture heaven now, what it's like. Well, what would what you think heaven's going to be like? Just 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 focus. Clouds, there's music, but there's a peace. You're walking through heaven. There's a peace. You're being transported through heaven. You're being lifted by the Spirit. You're, you're moving around heaven. Then there's bright colours. The colours of heaven are just beautiful. You, the smells of heaven. Just trying to smell heaven, how beautiful and clean it is. And Then you look in your mind and you think, wow, where's my thoughts of jealousy, malice gone, pride? It's just gone. You're a new creation. And then you hear these echoes, these singing, these songs, these beautiful songs. Then you're being ushered into the throne room of God. There's people, there's people, hundreds of people, thousands possibly now, just ushering you in. But there's smiling, there's a joy, there's a peace, there's a love. And then you're seeing people for the first time that you've lost. People that you've lost. And they're welcoming you in. They're smiling to you, there's tears of joy as you see them again. How amazing is that? And as they move away, Jesus is walking towards you with this glow of light around him. This beautiful glow. He's smiling. You see the twinkle in his eye of Jesus Christ. And as he raises his hands to you, the radiant light is shining through the holes in his hands. As he's reaching out to you and saying, welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. Welcome home. That's it. Open your eyes. Right, take your eyes off Jesus, fix them on me. No, don't do it. Funny theology in this church. Those who are listening online, it's not like that. We do fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. But wow, that's so funny to say that. That's amazing, isn't it? What kind of words did we get when we think of Jesus coming towards you there and, and saying those wonderful words? What kind of words do we... We can imagine. It's fantastic, isn't it? You know, in the beginning, as a Christian, and you're beginning as you're investigating the faith, you go to church, you go to a Bible study. You can leave there saying, "Yeah, it's been a nice meeting. It was a nice experience." But there comes a point, isn't there, when nice just doesn't cut it anymore. There's a crossing point. Like this morning, worship was nice, but it was awesome. The presence of God fell. It was awesome just to be in his presence. To be a Christian, it's more than just coming to a church on a Sunday, sing a few songs, and go away and have a Sunday roast. There has to be more. There is a crossing point in our lives. Hallelujah. Jesus. I remember before we used to come to this church, we had people round for lunch and dinners in the Sunday afternoons, and we've known Joe, the the, uh, the the drummer, <laughs> for many years beforehand. And she used to come round on a Sunday afterwards, and we were at different churches, and I was doing the football as well. And I used to say to Joe, I remember talking to Joe. I say, Joe, how was church this morning, Joe? And she goes, Oh, it was amazing. The presence of God fell. People were slain in the spirit, and I think, whoa! What kind of church do you go to? And 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 I and I thought well, I'm missing out on something. You know, I I wasn't getting that experience. I wasn't getting that that passion. She used to come by saying, "Wow, God really showed up in your church. The presence of God really fell in your church. People, what were talking? Were praying in tongues? What? what it, 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 it's that crossing point, isn't it? It's got to be more. There has to be more. And for me, a a, a turning verse for me was when Jesus says, doesn't he, for you will do greater things than these. And that challenged me. I thought, what does he mean? And that set a fire in my heart, that set a fire so strong, I had to seek it. I had to seek it. Now, I'm just going to quote a few scriptures from Psalm 119. Because I think this, this is a wonderful psalm. It shows us a passion and desire, doesn't it, for God's word so much that the psalmist here, probably Ezra, actually the prophet Ezra, he wrote this probably when the temple was being rebuilt. It's the longest psalm, 176 verses. So we've got a lot of reading to do. But I won't be reading all 176 verses. I'll let you do that in your own time. But I do recommend if we can read sort of eight, nine or ten verses a day for the next two weeks or so and pray with it. It's just awesome. It's just amazing. But it shows us a passion, desire for God's word. And the theme of the whole psalm really is the truth of God's word and how it can help us stay true to the word of God, even with difficult times all around us. This is verses 1 and 2. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. And seek him with all their heart. Not half heartedly, but with everything. There comes a point it, in our Christian walk, we've got to do it full on. You know, yeah, you can stagger along for so long, but for 40, 50 years of just doing that. For me, I just couldn't do that. I've got to just give God everything. And that came a point, having these chats with Joe and reading these verses and a, and a fire of the Holy Spirit comes into you. You've got to get after God to see the wonders of the workings that he has planned for you right now. It's about a dedication and an obsession to Jesus, a hunger for more, a hunger for more. Verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart. So it's not an approach, it's not a religion where we just have a to-do list of, I must read the Bible in the morning, I must pray, I tick, tick, tick. It's coming to the word of God with praise and worship. It's coming to the word of God with praise and worship. You know, we're all learning this, and I've learned this as well, you know, Sometimes when you're in the party, you're a bit, you're a bit tired in the morning, obviously. You wake up, oh, I must read the Bible. Okay. What's the word? Lord help me. Okay. Must do greater things than these. Great. Amen. Or, Lord, I'm going to read your word today, Lord. What are you talking to me today, Lord? For you will do greater things than these. Whoa, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. See the different approach? There's a passion all of a sudden, a prayer, a heartful prayer. Lord, talk to me. You will praise his name. Put some Christian music on and just come into Bible reading with some worship. It changes everything. changes everything. It's about dedication. And all the way through this this psalm, 176 verses of devotion, meditation to the word of God. It's just beautiful words. Verse 20, my soul is consumed with longing for your laws. My soul is consumed. Verse 23, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Will meditate. Verse 78, another one. I will meditate on your precepts and your rules. Verses 97 to 99. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. Meditation on his statutes. We think of meditation, don't we, in these... Crossing your legs and, and opening your mind up, but we need to be meditating on God's word. I Meaning meditating on God's word. I mean, what we need to be obsessed with God's word. We need to be obsessed with God's word because Jesus is all we need. Well, I'm going don't, don't to challenge you. What what are we obsessed with? What are we living for? You know, there's self obsession, isn't there? And and the media is always telling us and what we must wear, what we must. Do, oh, do I look nice in this dress? Well, not me. But, you know, what, 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 do I, what do I need to do? The world's telling me I must be a size eight or whatever it may be. I must have a six pack. Under there is a six pack. It's just covered a bit. But, you know, this is what, we, what we're living for. What, what's our obsession? What's driving us? You know, putting it bluntly, what are we wasting our time on? I want to challenge you what are we wasting time on? Our lives are precious. Precious. Every minute of your life is so wonderfully precious to God. We need to examine every area of our life that we are living it wisely for the glory of God. Um, I've got an example here. I mean, I'm not, before, I'm, I've been a Christian 10 years. So before that, I was obsessed with other things. A football team was my God. Many people know that. Um, and it was a good, you know some good times. Of the, obviously that, would, but now God's using this as a point. <laughs> I knew this wouldn't be a waste of time. This was my Bible at the time. Right, Arsenal complete history. <laughs> it was. It's got every result, every fixture, every crowd attendance, every goal scorer, and I used to meditate on this stuff. Chelsea away, one, two, yeah, that's great. Leicester, one, three, one, Drake. but, And I remember at school, somebody said to me, how many times have Arsenal won the FA Cup? So I was about 13. So at the time, it was definitely five. Now I don't know, actually. I don't know how many times I've won it now since then. It was five, and I said, yes, 1930, they beat Huddersfield, two nil with goals from 1936. They beat Sheffield United, one nil with a goal from nineteen fifty They beat Liverpool, two nil with goals from Reg Lewis. And I just carried on. And the girl said, oh, Steve, your memory of Arsenal is so good. (laughs) And I thought, oh, that's impressive. But then I stood back and I thought, why why aren't I remembering trigonometry or maths or algebra like I'm mesmerising Arsenal? That's far more useful, really, isn't it? You know, impressive it is. (laughs) It's not really going to take me further, is it, in life or... Where to go, is it really? Um, you know, God obviously has a career path for every one of us. You know, God wants Christians in every walk of life. You know, Uh, if you, if I go to a dentist, I want my dentist to have learned dentistry. You know, I don't want to lay there. If you've done dentistry, well, I've read the book of Leviticus three times. I want him to know how to pull a tooth out properly, you know. If I go to an architect, I want him to design a house properly. If you designed a house well, I've read God's word. He says, "Build on cornerstones." You know, lawyers. We need lawyers. Yeah, I mean, if I buy a house, I want to know how we can move one bit of paper to the other side of the desk. You know, have you got any lawyers here? You're very welcome, especially your tithes. God is placing a call. So, He's got a career path. He wants you to study hard in the careers that you're going through. You know, so it's not neglecting God's word when you're studying for engineering or dentistry or whatever. But God wants you to study hard the areas that He's calling you to go. That's why it's important, isn't it, to do the subjects that you're really going to be using by. Yeah. We need to press into God. Show us, Lord, the career path for us. So how often should we read God's word? Every day, of course. But this psalmist here, he says in a few places how often he reads it. At 60, Verse 62. At midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. Midnight. Who gets up at midnight to praise and re- amen? I do sometimes, not all the time. But sometimes God calls you all funny hours sometimes as a period of your life when He will call you up at certain hours. Verse one four seven and one four eight. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. one four eight. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promises. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night. Lord, do you want me to sleep? He's he's up every minute. But when Jerusalem was being rebuilt, they had to, different people took, took different turns to sit on the walls to watch for invaders and things. These were the watchers of the night. And, and this young psalmist at the time also was watching through the night. But he was meditating on the word of God at every available moment that he was awake. Verse 164, what did that say? Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. Seven times a day. Wow. See, there comes a point where nice is not enough anymore. You cry out. He's crying out. This psalmist is crying out. I want you, Lord. Break into my heart, Lord. There's more to it, God. And there are times when God will He stir something in your heart. And for me it was a couple of episodes now where there was times in the past when he was waking me up at 2 or 3 every morning for a period of a week or so and the first couple of nights I was just putting it back duvet, no Lord it's too cold I know you want me to get up and pray but it's just cold I'm not getting up but the third night I gave in I said okay Lord so I went downstairs and I started to pray to God and there are moments in life I believe there's people here right now where God is calling you and you're just maybe just ignoring that bit of the voice for the moment. But he wants you to go to a quiet time and a quiet place. This is the next stage of your Christian walk. It comes a point when you're a sinner saved by grace, and that's wonderful news. But then Jesus commands us then to move on from that, to bear fruit, to walk in his spirit, to walk in his power. And then a moments when you are getting up in the night, Early in the morning, seven times a day, these are the phases in your life when you're now being built up to bear fruit for the kingdom of God and I love this verse, one three one, verse one, three, one. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Who's seen a dog after a long walk in the heat of the day, their tongue's out their, their stomach's going isn't it? They're panting for water. He's panting for the word of God. I think God's going to put a fire in people's hearts today to pant for the word of God and the revelation of Jesus in their lives. Because God wants a broken and contrite heart. He can't do much with a proud heart. A contrite heart means a heart that recognises a need for something, for God. It recognises where it was and it needs help. God wants a heart like that. You need to long for God's spirit and his presence. But it's easy to say nowadays, isn't it? Be devoted to the word of God, come to church. With so many distractions around in this world, it's more than ever. More than ever. The Israelites, they turned their back on God after all he'd done for them. How easy is it then for us to, to be distracted? But I believe in these times, God's doing even more wonderful things. And there's an opportunity in this dark world now for God to do amazing things. And I've heard some wonderful stories of what God's doing in Cambodia this morning. Because people are stepping out in faith in Cambodia. And wonderful healings and miracles in Cambodia by the glory of God. Verses 9 to 12 in Psalm 119. I always think it was just for the young people. How can a young man keep his way pure? But it's because I believe that the, the, the psalmist is a young man. So he's talking about himself. But it applies to all of us, of course. So don't rule yourself out if you're above 44. You are still young. Verses 9 to 12. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. So this is a young priest writing this, recognizing the, the need and his desire for purity. For purity. Now I have a heart for so many young people and knowing God in my life at this moment in time, I'm have a. I'm crying out to young people to desire God, to guard your hearts, your minds, your bodies. And just pray to God that you will save yourself for Him, and God will have a special person for your life to share it with. Young women of the church who are, are single, and uh, all women of the church who are single. Just I desire, I, I pray desirely so much for God to bring you the right Christian man. Women, a, a godly man, believe in me, is the most wonderful man you can have. Someone who desires God more will respect and love you deservedly the way you were meant to be. He's not perfect though. He'll have his flaws, but he's a working creation as well. So, res- so respect that as well. Or you're not perfect after all. <laughs> well, no one's perfect. <laughs> but you can understand where I'm coming from. And young men, desiring a wonderful Christian woman, who will be submissive to you, not because you're going to lord over, of course not, but to submit to a Christian man is what she wants. I believe. Because a Christian man is a man of God. Verse 10, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray. Verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart. Hidden your word in my heart. If we are to be disciplined and to, to desire purity in all our lives, we need to learn the Word of God, don't we? We need to hide it in our hearts. So when situations arise, Scripture comes, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, He does reveal things to you that you've learned in His Word. Now the Psalmist, when he was in the sitting at the watches of the night, he wasn't sitting on the wall with a BlackBerry or an iPhone doing selfies. He wasn't changing his cover photo for the endless time. I'm now on the City Walls of Jerusalem. He wasn't distracted, was he? I know, I'm, I've got a bit of a bone about things like Facebook, I must admit, forgive me. But um, I find it a huge distraction for me. And that's why I probably don't have it, because I, I know it, I could just slide into spending wasted amount of time. Now, my son uses my phone sometimes for his Facebook account. And so during my working day, I might get notifications that a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend has changed his cover photo. And I'm thinking, I'm on a building site. Oh, good. Someone I don't know has changed his cover photo. Honestly, you know, I get this all the time. And I'm thinking, really? And then, but what happens is you might click onto it, mightn't you? And then you see a friend of a friend had a new cat, which had kittens. And you're thinking, do I really want to know this? It slides down and you just end up wasting time. <laughs> wasting time. Sorry, for me, it's just emails, notifications everywhere. How many Groupon vouchers am I going to receive? How many hair dryers am I going to... You know, it's Groupon and Booking.com and Hotel.Booking.com and all these. All the time, notifications, notifications, notifications. The internet is a huge distraction. It is a huge problem and will become very big soon. There's an article in a newspaper here and it says, cyberbullying affects one in three young people with one in 13 saying it is so consistently bullied that that leads to anxiety, self-harm and suicide. It continues that the internet is now a lawless jungle. That will soon be too dangerous for children to use. It's true, isn't it? There's not not much control in the internet, really. People can put comments on. And and I've spoken to my children about comments on the internet. That You're a Christian, young man. Make your comments Jesus-like. Speak love to people's lives. Because I've seen comments on these social media where it's destroying lives. It really is. So, as Christian people, Christian young people, build people up, encourage them, love them, speak words of love on these in the these sites. I know there are um, sisters and brothers here who do use social media as an evangelistic tool into speaking life into people's lives. We do need to be aware, though, of our, what our young people are watching, what they're playing, what games. I mean, I was a football manager for many years, and I know that boys in the team were playing games well above their years—um, eighteen, you know, games—and people blowing everyone up and all this kind of stuff. But what are we what what are young people watching and playing? You know, if I was to tell this story, as a some teenagers went to their father to say, "Dad, I want to go to watch this movie." He goes, "Okay." What's the movie about? Well, it's a thriller. Okay. It's got the best actors. It's got Leonardo uh It's got George Clooney. All oh, these amazing actors. Oh, it's a brilliant cast. Brilliant cast of people. Oh, good, good, good. It's a thriller. Yeah, it's a thriller. So, is there any sex scenes? Where there may be one, there may be one, but it's only a little one. It's, it's very quick. Oh, okay. Is there any. Violence, where well, there may be one little area of violence, but that's oh, a brilliant movie. Best scenes, best, best cities, got the best directors, got Steven Spielberg. He, oh, he's done the whole lot. He's fantastic. Gotta go. And the dad goes, Well, come back tomorrow and I'll have an answer for you. So the children come back the next day, the teenagers. Dad, dad, can we go? Yes, you can go. Oh, Dad is great. If you eat one of these. And he brought a tray of Chocolate muffins. You want us to eat one of those and we'll go to the cinema? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the deal. So the children, well, oh, that's easy. Great. And off they went, peeled back the paper. About to take the first bite. But the dad says, ah, wait a moment. Now, dad was the best baker in the street. He knew how to make cakes. These were fantastic. And uh, you need to know something about these muffins. Oh, yeah, what's that? Well there's just a very, very tiny, very, very minute piece of dog poo in them. Sorry. Tiny, honestly, it's a minuscule. Don't worry, but it's got the best flour, the best ingredients, the best milk, the best eggs. It's got the best director, the best baker. But it's a minute, tiny bit of dog poo. I'm not eating that, I'm not eating that. Why not? Wow, that piece of dog's, it's corrupted the whole of the cake. Do you see where I'm going with this? One little piece of badness can corrupt the whole thing. And then as the children left, the dad picked up a cake and ate it. And held the whole lot. Of course there wasn't. It's true though, isn't it? And the f- I, I know that I have a, a problem with films. I really do. Um Lily knows this. We have to be so careful of what films we watch at the cinema. Uh I, I can't go to watch films where there's real cruelty and things because it stays in my head. I really have trouble with that. It, it disturbs me. It worries me. So I have to go watch romantic stuff, and which is all beautiful. That's lovely. Pride and Prejudice. I love all that kind of thing because it's pure, really. I can't do violence. It just... Upsets my mind. I come away troubled. And I have a photographic memory. And images of films where there's been something terrible happen, they stay there for a long time. Stays there for a long time. And I, and I do, I do have trouble with that. So I've got to be so careful of what I'm watching. But what are our children watching? One little bit of corruption can destroy a whole film for me. Television, so much rubbish on telly, isn't there? <laughs> for me, I think the devil controls the media. He's controlling television. How many hours are wasted watching nothing? Days watching nothing, really? I mean, anyone who worked for Eddie Stobart? No? There's a, there's a programme about Eddie Stobart's trucks. A lorry company. Uh, there's thousands of channels in there now. There's hundreds of channels. Oh, I love it when they, you stand, you sit there, and you go, click, 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 click. Nothing on. Nothing on. Nothing on. Oh, nothing on. And you go around the clock. Oh, channel 999. Nothing on. Anything on? No, nothing on. Nothing on. We sit there, don't we? The remote control. So many times. And like, oh, Eddie Stobart trucks. Hey, forgive me. I'm sure Eddie Stobart's a probably a wonderful haulier, but not exciting TV programme. It's not. You know, they they film these truck people. They got a delivery at nine o'clock in Widnes, and they got to be in Doncaster by twelve, and that's basically it. But it's roadworks on the A64. Oh, a disaster in the camp. Can they get to Doncaster by twelve? And they got the two guys, logistics. Well, if we do a diversion around here, we can... Oh, it's great, yeah. And they're an hour late. Oh, tragedy strikes. You're an hour late. Yeah, I know. We're well, not going to use you again. Well, it's roadworks on the A64. That's it. That's the program. <laughs> Meditating God's word, I think, is going to edify you. Bit more, and there's food inspectors going around tasting different food from restaurants and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, right. You know, I think next time they could be 12 complete strangers in a house and film them for about a month. That would be the best. Yes. So I need to discipline myself in what I watch and what I, and what I, and storylines are another thing, aren't they? Storylines can drag you down and it's, it's sad. Now I work in the natural stone industry. I work on restoration of old buildings, churches. And um I used to get a natural stone magazine once a month. Gripping Reed, that was. Buy the latest bit of granite. It, it really was, as you know, I remember my brother in law's friend saying, Well, oh, that's a riveting reed. I said, Well, you know, it's free. And even that now, I was going through the magazine, I got a free copy. And there's two separate adverts from marble and granite companies with scantily clad women draped over their granite stonework. What is my eyes attracted to? The granite? you know, it's everywhere. It's trying to control our thought processes in every area of our lives. We need to be disciplined in our obsession with Jesus. And I think that's what happens. We look at all the things we watch and we read and and we have to read all this through spiritual eyes. And I thank God for that because I'm discerning this is not good. This is not good. Romans 12.2, fantastic piece piece of scripture. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. It's beautiful, isn't it? So to get to that point of discerning all these things in magazines and media, and we need to ask God, come on Lord, transform my mind, Lord. What is good? How can I be bearing fruit for you, Lord? Your good, pleasing will. So there's a crossing point, isn't there? Coming to church on a Sunday isn't just coming to church once a week. It's living a life full of Jesus seven days a week. Being a witness to him out there. It's discerning what is from God, what is good. It's good to study, it's good to have a career, of course it is. And God respects that and wants you to do well in your career. But you have to discern where you're spending your time, what you're watching. When you desire the Holy Spirit more than anything, and when you realise what the revelation of Jesus Christ is, your obsession to live for him, you see the manifestation of his spirit. God takes you to a church where the spirit is practised, there's the, the, the gift of prophecy, the words of knowledge, there's life, people's lives are being transformed you do receive fresh revelations of Jesus. New meanings, understandings, and different sides of stories that you previously heard so many times, but something else jumps out at you. You think, oh, I never saw that in there. I never saw that in there. I just want to share a few verses from Psalm 119 just to show revelation, really. And these are some of my favourite verses in this psalm. Psalm 103. Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Beautiful. And Psalm, uh, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Glorious scripture. And 114, very similar to what we read in 91 earlier. But you are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Hallelujah. A lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Jesus is that light. Jesus is that light. And I want to finish off with one of the stories from Jesus. From Matthew 3. Matthew 3. I want to close with a story of Jesus. I want to hopefully bring a different side to the very common story of Jesus. Chapter 3, 1 to 3. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who has spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And verses 5 to 6 people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So, this is scripture of John the Baptist baptizing the Jewish people in the river. And we move on to verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, says John. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Verse 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And Jesus was baptised. That moment heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove. The usual story. We've read it so many times, haven't we? But there's a classic piece of hidden gem in there. How many people were being baptised by John? Hundreds probably. Hundreds. All forming an orderly queue, weren't they? A line of people down the riverbank being baptised by John baptise you, baptise you. But Jesus joins the back of the queue. The back of the queue. The king of the universe, creator of all, joins the back of the line. Some of us are so impatient we can't queue for five minutes at the post office. I was at the post office the other day, I was queue jumping, that queue's moving faster, that one's moving faster, I'm going that queue. Then that one went faster. oh, come back to there's one day I was in 10 different queues and they were all taking an age. But Jesus, queued, the king of the universe, went to the back of the line and slowly moved his way. It must take hours for hundreds of people to walk the way down to be baptized. And as Jesus approached John the Baptist, he didn't push himself to the front to announce his arrival I am the Son of God. John goes, I should be baptized by you. Jesus goes, No, just just, just do this. He just went down and off he went for 40 days, disappeared again. This is the humble King of Jesus. He's the one who, who opened his hand out in heaven to welcome you with the light through his holes in his hands. Make him your obsession. We went to Rome few months back who's flown with Ryanair good luck we went with Ryanair and on the way back I had priority queue tickets priority queue I paid a little bit extra but I thought I'm not queuing I'm going to go to the front with priority queue tickets and I was sitting there all, Lily and her niece didn't know that I had these tickets I thought I'll just show them at the end as the gate was announced the queue was formed for the normal queue the ordinary folk and I oh, got priority queue so I went to the front follow me went to the queue and we got through really quickly but then came a moment that I will never forget a realisation that the actual plane was a bus ride away so I thought we'll have to get on the same bus as these people that priority queue was a waste of time we got on the bus, but what the bus done was they put a one of those barrier things across. So half was for priority queue, the other half was for the normal folk. And I thought, wow, this is look all this space just for there's five of us. There's two other people at priority queue. And then all the people came on the other side of the bus and they rammed like this. And I stood there thinking, this is wrong. This is wrong. I'm no different than those people. I paid a few extra quid for Priority queue, and now I feel awful. I feel terrible. And I said to Lily at the time, I'm going to use this. This is a a lesson. For he who exalts himself will be humbled. But Jesus humbled himself and is exalted. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today.